0: You're listening to the One Peter Five Podcast. It is a real joy for us to welcome you all here. Abemus Rebuilding Catholic culture. Restoring Catholic tradition. Hello and welcome to the One Peter Five Podcast, episode number 67. I'm Steve Skojak. So today I'm going to be talking with my friend, Tim Gordon. Now Tim has become kind of a lightning rod of controversy over the past few weeks. Uh, He's always been known for being a little bit controversial. He's a lawyer, he likes to argue, and he's not afraid to take unpopular positions. Now I know a number of people in our audience don't agree with him on some important things. They disagree with him on the status of the Society of St. Pius X, That argument went on for a long time. They disagree with him uh, on some of his interpretations of the documents of Vatican II, things like religious liberty. These are discussions that are ongoing in sort of the traditional and conservative Catholic communities, and I don't agree with Tim on all this stuff. But what I can tell you is that I believe Tim is a good man. He's sincere, he loves the faith, he loves his family, and even when I think he's wrong, there's never any falsity to what it is that he's saying. He's come by his opinions honestly, He's done the research, and he thinks that this is the position that he has to hold, and he stands by it. He's a man of principle, and I appreciate that. But this month, those principles have gotten him into trouble. Uh, Tim's job at a Catholic high school uh, teaching theology has been non-renewed. Basically, he was fired because he had already renewed his contract, and uh, he had ratified the agreement, and then the school rescinded the offer after the fact. Why? Because of tweets that he had put on social media uh, relating to things like the protests going on with Black Lives Matter. He had a petition drive against him uh, for the things that he said uh, from students and their parents, even some of the other teachers, I believe, were going to ask him about that. But basically, you know, he teaches at a Catholic high school in California, and California asserted itself in this position. So Tim, who is a father of six, who actually has a disabled child who just had to have brain surgery, uh, I think it was last month, uh, to relieve problems that she has with seizures, is suddenly out of a job because he exercised his First Amendment right to speak publicly, not at school, uh, but on his own, about things that um, I think he has uh, substantive reason to say. So, today we're going to talk to him about this. We're going to talk to him about the encroachments that are happening more and more on conservative and religious speech and what it means for all of us. I think it's going to be a good show, so I ask you to please stick around. We'll be back with Tim Gordon uh, right after this. Just a quick procedural note before we get into today's show. We are a little past mid-month point in our fundraising drive for June. We're actually doing okay. We're at a little over 50% of our goal, but we need to keep going. Um, These shows, if you enjoy them, the articles that we provide, please, if you're able to do so, make a modest financial contribution in support of our work. It's tax deductible We're allowed by law. We are US 501 C3. So please go to onepeter5.com forward slash donate if you enjoy the work that we provide you and you find value in it, put in a few bucks and enjoy the show. Joining me today is co-host of the Catholic podcast Rules for Retrogrades and co-author of the book by the same name, doesn't really need an introduction, my friend Tim Gordon. Nice to have you back, Tim.
1: Always nice to be with you, Steve. Great to be here. Thanks.
0: Okay, so... (laughs) I know you've had a crazy couple of weeks. I hope things are calming down a little bit. you got six kids, your daughter, Abby, just had brain surgery, what, last month? Um, You already had a lot going on this year. And then you have this bomb dropped in your lap. And for those in our audience who might not have heard, and I'm guessing most of them have, you were essentially fired from your job teaching theology at a Catholic high school because of comments you made on social media, right? So what exactly happened? Wow. Well, so uh, what
1: what your viewers might not have seen is that many uh, vandals and murderers and arsonists were running around the largest cities in America, setting things on fire and killing people. Um, There's just a little thing that started happening two to three weeks ago. Lots of people don't know. And everyone was acting like it wasn't happening. And it was super weird, even though they were all going home. To watch their television sets at night. Everyone was going into work, having water cooler talk and saying, hmm, do you see those peaceful protests? It was driving me nuts. So I had a series of tweets and I think YouTube vids on rules for retrogrades. Dave was in transit to his his new locale. So I was doing a lot of vids on my own. And I was just doing commentary like, why are these people allowed to do this with this? I mean, I, I watched in a section of New York, Soho, where there was cops standing down less than a block away from people that were raiding a, you know, Louis Vuitton store or something like that. It right. was not to be believed. It is the new level of the planned, calculated chaos that George Soros and the globalists have brought to America. So I was just saying things like um Black Lives Matter is a in hard brackets, FBI designated homespun terror org. I, I I made a tweet like that. I think that's the one that actually got me fired. I made some other less marquee tweets. On June the third, my friends who are ex students of mine, I, I have I have a few uh, close ex students started lighting my phone up saying, "Hey, there's a petition out against you. It's kind of it's kind of the." Um, the ne'er-do-well uh, dissenters from church teaching from, from grade to grade over the last, over 10 grades. Many of these uh, ex-students were not ex-students of mine. Some of them never even went to Garcia's Memorial High School. Um, I only, there's like 146 signatures. I only taught, I think, well under half of them ever. But there are dissenter families, liberal families that never liked the church's teaching on uh, abortion, gay marriage, and contraception. The, the standard stuff, yawn. Right, right, yeah. Um, Never, you know, taught under half of them. And this was June the 3rd. That was lunchtime. I I can't remember when it came out. That's when I heard about it. Within a few hours by 430, I was recording um, Henry Davis, uh, black MAGA supporter in, um, I think Kansas City, doing a, a podcast with him. Steph, my wife walks into the room here. I was sitting as I am before you today. Good, sir. And she just gave me the cutthroat sign. And she said, you know, you're, you're done at Gars's. And it was like in between lunchtime and sitting down to do that interview. Steve, you know what it's like you prepare and all yeah, that. Yeah. I, I had um, I'd sent the principal who I grew up with uh, a, a girl in my grade um, at, at Catholic school. I sent her a couple explanatory texts. I was just like, Hey, I saw the petition, you know, no big deal. I I've been here before. This was not as far out on the limb of the tree as I've ever been. And they, they kind of defended me before. So I just said, here's, here's the FBI designation. Here's another article BLM copying to it. We are uh, uh, more or less saying we are a black identity extremist, which is the FBI's designation in 2017 for homespun terror. And I was just saying, it's not my opinion. And um, never heard back from her. She didn't pick up my call. And I thought, whatever, who cares? And I went and did my interview. Then a couple hours later, as I'm doing the interview, in walks Steph saying, you're fired. And it was not It was literally just um, uh, a firing under the auspices of, so we're, we're choosing not to renew your contract.
0: Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a maneuver that schools pull that people don't know about. They don't have to renew your contract, but you said that you had already ratified the renewal, right? That they had already offered it to you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, so I, you know, I produced documents for LifeSite. They're they're a good, um, you know, journalistic outfit that, that wanted to see the documents. And not only had, (laughs) this is typical Gordon. I had been uh, late on signing the papers because of COVID this year. We didn't really have a fourth quarter. It was virtual Zoom classroom. And so I've been late resigning my contract and they're badgering me. They're like, you know, being the commodity that I am. I mean, seriously, I'm the Catholic face of the school and the faithfuls in town in this politically conservative town in California, one of the only ones, they wanted me back. And the school kind of uses me to leverage a a lot of these um, donor families back that are faithful. They say, if Gordon ever goes, we're leaving. That's That's a common refrain around town among the faithfuls. So they were badgering me, like, Tim, get in your contract. And then I, I got it in. So at court, I can tell you the legally trained mind of Gordon. That's excellent evidence. Not only did I sign it, but they were reminding me, like, Tim, come on, get your contract in. That yeah. was as late as May. So it's just, it's a slam dunk. It's And you've contract. got
0: that in writing. I mean, that's not, yeah. they're, they're, they're sending you emails and everything saying, hey, we need this done.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a done deal. I mean, it's not, it's just, it's a slam dunk. So if they would have just said, hey, we, we, we fire you for... Well, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it would have gone if they would have been taking a more honest approach. But then I have um, some really, really uh, in a, a weird it's weird because in a conservative town, here's the article they wrote on me in the paper. I've been targeting
0: targeting Black Lives Matter. Okay.
1: Yeah, targeting them with, with like
0: a like, like how like targeting them with rocks like on windows or targeting to steal their things. Curb stomping them to death in the street for protecting their stores. Is that how you were targeting them?
1: metaphorically, he, he, he <laughs>
0: sob. Word.
1: Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's I, I swear to you, it's like the most conservative city in Baker in California.
0: My home. And that's Cal- how I and- know by the way that you're not just like being self aggrandizing. If you're a conservative in California, you already feel outnumbered. So of course, if you've got a Catholic school to send your kids to, or there's a teacher who's like, Hey, I'm gonna teach what the church teaches. That's going to be a pretty good thing for you to, to be able to find and it's going to be a rare thing, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, I mean, not only that, compound it with the fact that
1: I'm the, uh, it's the only Catholic high school in Bakersfield. People don't know because everyone rags on Bakersfield. Maybe they're, they're lar- largely right. I'm getting, I'm getting hate in my hometown, but um, it's like the 50th biggest city in America, 51st or 52nd. So it's, it's a big city. We're the only Catholic school here and there are political conservatives a lot. Uh, they, they abound. And yet they're they're still babies in their faith because all of the feeder schools are, you know, not, not teaching the real, the real, it's, it's the Catholic education mill. So when all of this happened, you know, most of the students are with me. A lot of the parents are with me. So many have reached out. And then I, I just said essentially, okay, I'll do one local interview. Um, I told the superintendent this, I'll do one local interview and the guy was being hostile. All the TV stations did, if they reached out, I'm not gonna give comment. The newspaper ran this article, that just skewered me. I, you know, basically we, we have to leave town because we have BLM here in town. It was hard to get our number uh, off the, the white pages. So we're bailing town, even though we have most majority support at the school, they're gonna feel the heat when school starts in fall. It's crazy, but all of the national media has jumped on my side, as I, as I promised the superintendent they would. And here, here we are. (laughs) I mean,
0: so I want to break some of this down. Um, You know, obviously, saying something like what you said is going to be perceived as controversial, especially in this climate uh, that we're dealing with socially. But I want to know more about your reasoning behind it. You know, obviously, the president declared Antifa a terrorist organization, but he didn't say it about Black Lives Matter. We know there's been a huge intermixing of the two and all these riots and protests. Are they really the same in that regard? I want you to explain that a little bit more for people who haven't read up on it. Like you have, why do you say it? I mean, you mean it. So why do you say it? Perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the opening question of my one local interview was he goes, He was doing my introduction and he goes, Tim Gordon, you said that, um, BLM is akin to a terrorist organization I was like man I hate to start out correcting you which I didn't hate at all but um I go hate to start out correcting I did not say akin to that would be my own private judgment it would be an analogical reasoning I wasn't making it no according to the FBI and uh right reason the BLM is a BIE a black identity extremist group which is a terror organization so Steve um the FBI designated this group, Homespun Terror, in 2017 after like a Texas cop shooting. Uh, black identity extremism was basically uh, uh, christened, this new term, this label, for uh, what happened in uh, 2015. You know, the, the, I think the Ferguson stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a brand new designation. It was rolled out with red carpet, specifically for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I remember saying this, I think even as late as when I traveled to Portland in late 2019, I was like, these two George Soros front groups, ANIFA and Black Lives Matter, it's basically, you know, the same stuff with a different face. It's a George Soros front group. You can go check that out. That's not wacky conspiracy theory. It's, it's Soros funded. It's, it's not a grassroots organization. Both of them have um, titular heads. And for 2017, 2018, 2019, I said this as I traveled to Portland. It's weird that BLM is easier, more politically correct to beat up on than ANIFA. And I'm like, they're both really extreme. But that all switched, the whole narrative switched. I remember in 2017, 20, everyone said, oh, homespun terror. They were the group um, BLM that was um, in Philadelphia in the 2016 election, general election, um, they were standing outside intimidating voters. You, everyone saw that. So they do use uh, um, crass uh, political force to achieve a, uh, a certain uh, socio-cultural end. That's the definition of homespun terror. Uh, if you go to their website, it was started by a few lesbians. They say that their goal is to destroy the Western nuclear family. They've also supported other things that you have to dig a little further. They want to destroy all private education. Not only do they want to defund the police. That's like the only thing that even seems a little bit related to the stirred up race rioting and all that. It's mainly lesbian, you know, gay uh, celebrated causes. LifeSite ran a follow-up article to the interview they did with me saying, a Christian cannot support BLM. Its main crosshairs are
0: trained on Christians. And it's- Let me ask you this then, because I think that Black Lives Matter, there is a, a movement and I don't know, you know, how formally created this organization is and how formally people can adhere to it. But it's also, I think a lot of people perceive it, I perceive it in, in many ways, as more of kind of like this hashtag thing where there's just a lot of people out there, uh, blacks in particular, other minorities who are like, hey, you know, I deal with racism. It it really does exist in my life. I've encountered it and it pisses me off. And this gives me something to be a part of. Is there a distinction to be made between those two groups? I mean, is the one using the other and their, and their disaffectation? I mean, we're both married to minority women. My wife has said that she's dealt with racism in her life. Her father certainly has as a Chinese immigrant. He dealt with it his whole life. I mean, it does exist in this country. I don't think that it's is I think it's being exaggerated for political purposes, but it's not that there's nothing. I think some of these people have a reason to be mad.
1: Well, a, a, a couple of things. Oh, just, just to finish up the last part, the Attorney General Barr only now designated ANIFA uh, a terror group where that took a really long time, right? Yeah, the, it did. But there are other designations that can be made by other federal agencies. FBI has had the one for BLM for a long time. AG tends to be slow in making those. Yeah, Now, now when it comes to Getting real about race, um, I think. I think that's a great idea. I think what we should do is look at how many, you know, unarmed black men were shot by police that year to see. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, racism will always exist on the sure. heart, heart of man. I mean, I, there, there's still an anti-Italian sentiment. You know, I mean, look at look at what they've done to Columbus. That is outright racism. Absolutely. You know, all of these groups that claim that they are, uh, you know, a lot of the same groups. You know, black left liberal groups um, have destroyed Christopher Columbus all because he's Italian. I, as an Italian American, I'm I'm offended that we can no longer ubiquitously celebrate Columbus Day. He's a great hero. He's a hero of the church. There's also anti-Catholic bias galore in this country.
0: And of course, as but, white guys, I mean, we know there's a lot of anti-white male uh, racism that exists. The
1: main number one hate group is straight white males in this in this country. And so I just don't think it needs I. I I don't know that it, well, here's one thing I know. It has nothing, the numbers aren't uh, borne out when we look at crime statistics. I I have a a little six question questionnaire that I I like to give people. And I think it is as real as it gets on race. Why do 12% of the population do, right around half, some stats say right under, some say right over, right around half of the violent crimes. Some people, I think it's 60% of the robberies. That is a race question we have to ask. Why does 12% of the population, mostly black males, do well, you know, five times their proportion in the robberies and the violent crime. I mean, and when you can- I mean, and Alan
0: Keyes brought that up actually during the, I don't remember if it was the 2001 election or or if it was, uh, no, I don't what was the year? It wasn't 2001. I'm trying to remember, it was 2004, so it would have been 2000 election. Uh, but, But he made this point, he was asked, you know, have you ever experienced this whole, you know, driving while black phenomenon getting pulled over? And he's like, yeah, but I blame it on the fact that cops have to do, I mean, they know who's committing the crimes, Right. Uh, and so there's okay. some sensibility to the fact that, you know, they're they're asking questions of the people who are disproportionately doing this stuff.
1: Yeah. I, and I love him, by the way. He interviewed me last. So I just one. I think he's the first guy I ever pulled the ballot for it was in that 2000 election. I, I voted for him in the primary. And unfortunately, uh, some some uh, dirty. Uh, large dynasty named Bush ended up. <laughs> I love I love Alan Keith. Now, please, clap. The thing.
0: please clap, Tim.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, here's the thing, man. I work with, so nine unarmed black men were shot by cops last year. The numbers are, are, and, and when you consider the crime statistics, right, that, that cops, when they roll up on you, depending on what state you're talking about, they have various amounts of information just by checking your license plate. They know, for, for instance, I, I mean, I, I haven't weighed in on George Floyd cause it's, it's such a, such a boring conversation. And obviously. America's full of uh, false dichotomies. one doesn't have to be a hero for the other to be a villain they, These guys are both sure. both both um sure. uh, pockmark history you know george floyd had had done armed robbery at least twice, five felonies he hadn't recently gone to Minneapolis. it was twenty fourteen He had drugs in his system. he abandoned a white baggie of something was was he killed unjustly yeah, and I think they could go for first degree murder quite easily uh against uh whatever the cop's name is that that killed him because the malice aforethought doesn't even take eight minutes to uh, produce, to make a culpable mens rea. So you, you could get malice aforethought, which means first degree murder against that cop
0: show. Does him. anybody who's who, attacking you care that this is what you think about that particular situation? Because first of all, we know these protests aren't really about that. They have act. nothing to do with it, no.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I don't, so I mean, they're kind of honest in that sense that it's like, yeah. I mean, the people that are coming after me, they just, they, 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 a lot of them, specifically here in Bakersfield, they're literally just mad that I'm uh, you know, i not a great inflator or I've had disciplinary issues with certain people. So it's always just a stalking horse, the race issue in America, for getting something else you want. Now, the one problem that I do, because see, I, I do have a more libertarian position on cops. I never got along with cops growing up playing in rock bands and stuff, being out late. Skateboarding. In, skateboarding, playing in rock bands, being out until all hours of the night in what was consi- consistently voted, like three years in a row when I was there, the safest city in America, like Plano, Texas. That would just get messed with and they're rude. And, and, you know, so, I mean, I acknowledge there's a problem with cops. They're, that Some of them are really, really good. I think the inner yeah. city cops are typically better. But a lot of people have problems with cops because it's, it's for some you know, that aren't, aren't the highest intelligence, it's too much power. But that's not a race issue. Also, what's a little more understandable, but also a perennial issue with cops that I think this is more on point with, with people like uh, Floyd, is if they are rolling up on you, and they see from the license plate that you have a history, five felonies, many of them violent felonies. Um, that's, a, that's not even a particularly ugly canker on the heart of man where um, it's more an, a prejudice that all of us have against ex-cons. I mean, yeah. we, we get it. Like, you get it, I get it, right? Uh, an ex-con, if he's served his time, he's square with the house, and he deserves another chance. But I'm guarding my wallet extra hard, and I don't give a damn apology. If I see someone, this guy's an ex-con, I'm guarding my wallet extra hard. Do I want him to turn it around? Yes. But have you seen the recidivist rate? Or violent, particularly violent felons, it's through the roof. So I'm always hoping. I know that one in ten of them or two in ten might turn it around, but they're probably not going to. I pray Mm -hmm. for them. So it's a and so cops, depending on the state, they they have this information when they roll up on a guy. And also, people were getting mad at me. The only thing I said about Floyd, aside from the fact that after due process, I don't know why they're only going after second degree murder against Chauvin. They could get first degree murder. I don't care. It's not a cop. They're both bad guys. Um, and, and Floyd didn't deserve to die for it, but that has nothing to do with the riots. And furthermore, um, I, I just think it's really important that people, uh, understand due process has been on trial, both with the populist right in this country. And it's always been on trial with the far secular left. I kept saying alleged just because the trial's not done yet. Alleged means that we don't know what they were saying. All this comes out in a really rigorous fact finding of a, a trial where he might have been saying, if you let me up, I'm going to kill you. Probably not. But that's why you try it. You right, try right. the issue, and then you stop saying alleged. But it's not some kind of strange relativism. The trial is where you find out every no, I
0: understand. I mean, it's the same thing in the world of journalism. you you, you got to be really careful about stating things as facts when so far it's just speculation. Yes. You and, need evidentiary, and- you know, you, you need proof that, that something actually happened, and then you're like, yeah, that happened.
1: Yeah, it's a standard. Look, people need to remember this because like free speech, which is on trial, due processes. We have very specific, what we call um, burdens of persuasion at law. There are two different burdens of persuasion in civil court. There's uh, uh, preponderance of the evidence, which is like you just have to prove for certain types of civil cases, 51%, whoever prevails, P versus D, 51% of the evidence, you win on preponderance of the evidence. There's also another civil standard things like I think contracts um, where it has to be uh, clear and convincing evidence. That's more like, judges won't quantify. It's more like P or D have to, P has to prove with 75% evidence, you know? And, and then judges in criminal cases have time and again Said constitutionally, we can't quantify exactly what percentage of proof we have to prove for it to. When you're to saying P and
0: D, you mean prosecution and defense, is that? Yeah, prosecution okay. and uh, okay. or
1: actually, it's convenient because when you're dealing with civil attorneys, they use they use the the Greek in law school. You know, it can also be plaintiff and defendant, or okay. um, you know, or or, or prosecutor, a defendant depending on civil or criminal. So it's it's convenient that way. But the the criminal standard, of course, everyone knows from watching movies, is uh, beyond any reasonable doubt. They won't tell you is that 94% or 98%? Sure. People wonder. The judges like to hold that discretion. But the point is, it's all very specific the way that trials work. You know, you have, there are even different standards of evidence. That's why we can't just go around saying alleged. And, and lots, of, lots of news outfits just dropped the alleged when they were talking yeah. about Chauvin with, uh, what's to say? Yeah, we saw him kill him. And I, I bet a large sum of money. He's just a jerk. Uh, the cop, but except you don't know. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt that the guy wasn't saying he was resisting arrest. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt yet that the uh, guy Floyd wasn't saying, Hey, if you let me up, I'm going to kill you. So that, that would be a justifiable homicide then, or, you know, at least justifiable to remain on his net, whatever. I don't know. I'm just throwing. Yeah. No, I understand what you're doing. Okay.
0: So, so you're talking about specificity legally speaking. So let's pivot over to the school. Did they explicitly tell you they fired you because of your comments and did they tell you which ones or have they left it totally vague? The petition mentioned
1: a few of my comments along with just general homophobia, Islamophobia in the classroom. The local media kept trying to say that I talked about BLM in the classroom. I'm like, we've been on summer. Do you know what summer break is? (laughs) They don't even get there. Um, Now the superintendent did um, make reference to it. It wasn't just um, post hoc ergo propter hoc, which is a fallacy. I'm not just assuming with the strange conspicuous timing uh, causation uh, for the petition in my firing, because a couple days later, maybe the next day, she released a public statement, the superintendent saying, uh, Mr. Gordon does not speak for the diocese or the school, and we something i uh, don 't quote me directly, we disavow his social media statements, and it was it, it was in response to the uh black lives matter one one of the comments they they uh they didn 't like these liberal ex students and students they didn 't like my my uh poll about father james martin you know i, I and maybe they don 't know who he is that he 's openly homosexualist, and that even Pope Francis disavowed him, so I just said uh you know, which one looks gayer since, since he's, he's constantly appearing in the, you know, LGBT regalia. Mm-hmm. Um, that or uh, some, some BLM protesters wearing the COVID mask, which I think that's, that's kind of a joke poll, but it's not a gay joke. It's another BLM joke.
0: So. <laughs> so what about the bishop? I mean, is the bishop waiting on this at all one way or the other? Uh, the bishop who is reputedly not
1: a liberal and is new and um, took over the diocese last summer to the shame of the celebrity priest in town. I knew him, my altar for from when I was young, uh, sex scandal, uh, you know, sexual abuse, uh, molestation scandal. Uh, he wasn't doing badly in my estimation uh, with that. And I don't think he's a he's not by anyone's measure a liberal. I just think, yeah, he had to, I mean, I, I don't know, you might know better than I do actually how dioceses chanceries work. I think he has to sign off on anything. Uh, the superintendent is below the bishop of schools. We're we're in the diocese of Fresno. There's only one which is another large city non Californians don't know about. Fresno and Bakersfield, we each only have one Catholic high school. And okay. I'm the department I was the department chairman at Garcia. So yes, he had to sign off on it and, you know, probably just conscious pilot washed his hands of i don't know i've heard this guy's pretty well known as being a a faithful catholic uh heading the department but yeah he signed off on it i I mean this
0: look this stuff happens all the time joe chambra just tweeted something out yesterday about how he has told uh archbishop cordaleone multiple times about gay stuff going on in one of his parishes and he won't do anything about it but everybody thinks he's a hero because one time he stood up for you know Contract law in a, in in a teacher dispute because some teacher got married to same sex person or whatever, right? It just like we're, we're our standards are so low with these guys right. that like oh the good guys yeah they're mediocre at best you know it just seems to be what keeps happening. It's
1: a low bar. It's a low bar as a Catholic prelate of any sort to be like oh that guy's so based he's so conservative like one time he said that there are three persons in <laughs> you're like whoa. You know, yeah, we have really, really, we're parish orphans, man, which is why I call my audience, uh, retrogrades and parish orphans, because we're all just either you have one of the actual, well, not actual, the metaphorical, you know, abusive stepfathers, or you have a passive step uh, father or stepfather that looks the other way as someone else abuses you, you know, yeah. very few people have just an active father who loves them. Um, people who live in, in Tyler, Texas, uh, Bishop Strickland, they have a good father. Um, there are a few others, but I don't know too many.
0: No, no, you could definitely, you would have to work hard to fill both hands. Yes. You were counting them up. And I think, yeah, it's actually one, but I was trying to be generous because I figured maybe there's some guys I don't know about, but, um, so I want to talk about uh, reaction a little bit. You know, I've seen some folks out there, ostensibly Catholics, who are gloating over you losing your job, uh, acting like you deserve it. seems many of them are people who are on the opposite side of the SSPX issue from you. Uh, That's obviously not a real reason. I don't agree with you on SSPX. We've argued about it until we just decided to stop because it wasn't going anywhere. Uh, I think Catholics should be able to disagree, even strongly, on issues that haven't been definitively resolved by Rome. But what do you make of all this rancor that you're getting from fellow Catholics, many of them very conservative or Orthodox Catholics, again, ostensibly, uh, how many of us have become part of this same cancel culture that got you fired, even if we're on different ends of the ideolo- ideological spectrum?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't take it personally. Look, look, you know, shoot or shoot, like cowards coward. I, I, this is just what cowards do. You know, someone loses their job. And if you disagreed with him about one thing, listen to me, people out there that that thought that I—I I mean, a lot of these are the same people that might have called me a grifter, um, or you, for that matter. I—I I don't know. A lot of people have been honest about it. A lot of even the groypers were like, "Gordon's legit." If you lose your job for being a, a homophobic uh, racist at a Catholic school, I mean. It, it, there's a small chance that you might've deserved to lose your job, but 99% that probably means you just got street cred as a non, uh, grifting, non charlatan, uh, bona fide dude that's willing to, to go to the mat. And so it's, it's really, it's really good that guys like you and me talk the talk. And I think both of us do it. Well, I mean, you're one of the only shows I ever even occasionally watch. Cause I, I Neither of us have time to watch yeah, other people's yeah. content. You're a good talker. I'm a pretty good talker. It's good to show that you're a good walker too. So with these um, punks out there that are saying that I'm a grifter and I'm whatever, I'll show. It's like, I mean, you just got you just got proven wrong on national to the tune of national news. That uh, you know, I'll, I'll take these ideas to the mat. I don't really care what their opinions are about anything. And I don't, I honestly don't take it personally, but this is just what cowards do, man. They they cheer, even if they agreed 95% with someone, if they get that, like, like their feathers in a ruffle over the last, I mean, it's
0: pathetic, percent. you know, I mean, this stuff, you know, like the dude, the eponymous flower guy, you know, and calling you thug <laughs> Gordon and that you deserve this. I mean, that guy's a joke, but, yeah. but here's the thing to me, what I'm more concerned about is there's always going to be these idiots out there, right. That, you know who takes delight in someone else's misfortune that's that's just ugly but i feel like there's so much more this cancel culture thing it's infecting catholics too it's like we've lost our sense of what magnanimity is and what you know the the way that we should conduct ourselves in a society and the fact that you know these are people yeah we disagree with them but you know we share most of the same beliefs and and we should be concerned about the fact that this is, this is the consequence of saying something that you absolutely believe is true, that you have something to back up. This isn't just your random opinion that you're throwing out there because you're drunk tweeting. You know, It's like, I, I, I got this FBI night. thing. I've been looking at this. this. The cities in this country are burning down. They're literally on fire. People are being killed in the streets. I right. think there's reasonable First Amendment protection for me saying, you know what? Uh, terrorism. I, I see terrorism here.
1: Right. Unfortunately, First Amendment protection only uh, extends to a government defendant, if I were to bring that claim. This is a real problem. I don't necessarily agree with Tucker Tucker Carlson's remedy to it, but it's a real problem that now we have something called viewpoint discrimination is with a defendant that's the government. The, The First Amendment protects us against the government. It doesn't protect us against each other. When it's private sector Sure. Viewpoint discrimination. I call it nuanced viewpoint discrimination. And we have to have the only real way to combat this is to have a a non cancel culture to get back around to your question that uh, where everyone's just like, oh, Gordon said, what looks gay? It's like, that's that's how I talk. Are you you're I'm not into identity politics, but you guys are. This is my tribe, I guess. I'm a 39 year old straight white Roman Catholic of italian and scottish descent and this is how me and my buddies talk all day long and guess what especially now that i don't work for the diocese i'm going to do it even more and and you guys (laughs) say that we're all supposed to have this is the same reason you don't go after black guys who are rappers for saying bad words about themselves it's like uh, you know and about white people and about mexicans cool that's just part of their tribal you know, dialogue. That's just part of the parlance. It's like, okay, well I get mine too. And I don't even believe in that, but uh, the the tribal stuff that we all have our own parlance. But if that's the system that I'm not going to stop saying gay that way, look it up on UrbanDictionary.com If you want to look up what it meant in the nineties, early two thousands, it still means it bro. But I mean, yeah, I mean this, this I wasn't trying to talk around your question. I really meant it. Conservatives, Christians, the, the, you know, the, the real homeboys, the, the real Christians, Catholics are by and large, most of them trads, you know, faithful Nova Nova Swordites, And of course the left cats aren't really even real cats, but any of those groups, man, 95% of them are cowards, right? Like there's not what we have to confront and all that's fine. I'm already like the Catholic bad boy. So I don't care. I'll say it. <laughs> what we have to confront is that the left Right-wingers that laugh, that laugh at the left wing really uh, make me mad. The left functions how it's supposed to. They're all four cylinders firing. They attack, attack, attack. I mean, they follow the rules for retrogrades, yeah, right? Yeah. They win. They storm all the institutions. They even got the church. They got news media, entertainment media, the academy, positions of, like Vigano said, government and econ. And um, now they even have the church. They win, man. They attack nonstop. They have all these institutions, and they're still their foot still in the accelerator. Like, why don't we have? Uh, why don't we have all Catholics, um, you know, subject to Stockholm syndrome? They win. Conservatives and Christians are losers. They lose, and they 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 swoop on each other, and they dunk on each other. Oh, he didn't agree with me about SSPX. Oh. so so literally, they're they're calling for me to be fired. They they're they're losers. That's the point. We have to be like, look, I don't care about all the side stuff. We're going to circle the wagons. We're going to defend each other. We're going to create an, a digital community. Look at me. I disagree with lots of conservatives, but I, I like them all. I don't care. I'm not a Nazi at heart the way a lot of these people are that think you have to agree about everything. And also, I want to go fight. I want to go fight the real bad guys, not, not the people I disagree with uh, within Catholicism about this or that or even conservatives who are secular or Protestant, I, I still want to work with those people when we're not talking about theology-specific dialogue. I want to work with these people to go fight the bad guys and win. But there are no men that want to just go fight and link arms. These people have never been in a street fight. If someone's helping you watching your back in a street fight, you don't start going, well, what's your uh, position on Archbishop with that? I mean, you're just like, Ooh, thank you. That's what it is, man. It's a street fight. Fight. You know? These people yeah. don't get it. They've never thrown a punch. And yeah. and men that haven't thrown a punch, there's something wrong with them. Sorry. They, they don't understand. Liberals fight dirty. Radicals are in it to win it. They want to kill all of us. They want to silence all of us. The next time a Democrat gets into office, they're going to shut down AM talk radio. They're going to try to sh- uh, monitor the internet. They're going to make it a crime to say Catholic things like it is in, in Canada in some cases. And eventually they're going to try to throw everyone in camps. I'm not joking and neither are they and they're deadly serious and they're winners and conservatives and christians you guys are losers
0: become winners fight actually I mean, that was the next question i was going to ask you is even the people who can't stand you hate your guts they should be concerned about what happened to you and i don't know why they can't see that i mean this is not just a threat to pugnacious guys who say provocative things you know it's a threat for everybody who wants to believe in something
1: Right. Well, specifically, I think you're talking about pretty pretty faithful Catholics, you know, Um, disagreements about stuff that I'm not really that interested in, notwithstanding pretty faithful Catholics is like they want to make the practice of the one true faith, Roman Catholicism. It's a high agenda item, the Catholic spring. Look at uh, Hillary's campaign emails from the WikiLeaks dump in 2016. They want to make Catholicism even more of a joke than we all say Vatican II's effect made it. So I, I yeah I don't get it. They're, they're just not people that don't want to link arms. Um, at least against the bad guys. We don't have to link arms when we're discussing some super uh, uh, infinitesimally small minutia within the faith. But then. Forget that. Now we've got to go fight like something much closer to an actual street fight. They don't want to link arms and they're going to be the one paying the price for it along with all of the rest of us.
0: I want to pick your brain a little bit about the overall societal shift, which has gone really, really far. Um, and it seems like all anybody's doing now is virtual signaling, like for the last week, virtual signaling. You know, I mentioned, I think I mentioned in the opening to the podcast before you jumped on uncle ben's is gone aunt jemima gone like these brands are disappearing statues are getting pulled down everywhere uh revisionist history i I mentioned (laughs) rick wilson trying to like say domino's killed their brand because they thanked uh what's her face who's the press secretary for trump now back in 2012 for a compliment about their pizza (laughs) somehow that's political now i mean it's it's absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever seen and you know maybe some of this stuff has baggage and it needs to go I don't know if Aunt Jemima whatever don't eat maple and butter flavored corn syrup just get real syrup you know whatever I don't care no I like Aunt Jemima I'm gonna stick up for her
1: <laughs> She's like I mean I don't know enough about the brands to have an I opinion one
0: way or the other but wait a
1: minute wait a minute Steve are you saying Mrs. Butterworth's is better than Aunt Jemima is
0: this a race thing we need well, to do well I mean do? she so is an address. animated uh, syrup bottle which I would like syrup that walks over and pours itself out of its own head yeah onto, onto my pancakes i mean that's here's that's what i'm saying though. i like level. them both i like mrs butterworth
1: she's she's closer to my cultural experience but i like aunt jemima too i like black and white i love them all i want to convert them all to uh, my my uh, roman catholicism of syrup
0: but i mean but, look it's gotten to the point so the other night you know you and i both still do some video games because you know that's what we do so yeah. we grew up doing And the other night, I'm like, I'm going to blow off some steam. I'm going to go play some Rocket League. And people who don't know what Rocket League is, it's just, it's literally like you play soccer against other people online in rocket-powered cars. It's as fun and as dumb as it sounds. And the matches only last five minutes. So you can go a few rounds and then go do something. And important. Yeah. No. Yeah. So anyway, so I go to get into Rocket League, which I really enjoy. uh, And there's a splash screen about racism. Oh, my gosh. Before I can get into the tournament. You know and I'm sure it had something to do with because they do have problems I mean I've, I've run into some pretty nasty commentary from the other players and stuff like that I think that's what it was addressing but I was like I just want to play a game I don't care what your company thinks about this I don't want to hear your social commentary I'm just hitting the button just trying to be like I just want to blow off some steam and that's it and and I, I'm just I, I find myself wondering how is it possible that these special interest groups often making outrageous demands, have so much power and so much control. The tail is always wagging the dog these days. How did we get there? Because,
1: because they're so good. I mean, radicals, they're our enemies, right? But one, because they have the supernatural diabolical force. Remember, Satan's a, a highest intellect, even among the fallen angels, right? He's yeah. the highest, highest class of angel before he fell. He's so smart. And this does have to, this does figure into even what we were saying before the, the divisiveness on the far Catholic right. He's even figured a way into that. He's like, you don't get them by, by they're not going to virtue signal each other with, you know, Aunt Jemima bottles. They're going to virtue signal each other with, like, well, uh, how many uh, Novus Ordo versus how many non Novus Ordo masses did you go to in the year 2017? I mean, that, that's, that's literally Satan's lesion divisiveness. Um, he's so smart and he obviously is behind the major you know the, the radical party the the american democrats um, the last real standing block between satan really having total reign in the 21st century on planet earth i mean just america whether you like it or lump it it's standing between total secular humanist satanist globalism and uh and and connecting with its goal and then also because of that supernatural point number one, you got point number two. For whatever reason, they're super ambitious. They never take their foot off the accelerator. And so they're like, yeah, we're totally winning. We're totally, we, we stormed all the institutions, like I said before. But let's not even let these conservative guys that, you know, need to recharge their battery. I don't recharge my battery by reading philosophy or theology. That's what I do, right? Or or social commentary. I recharge my battery by going and playing 16-bit video games from the middle 90s I mean, like you're saying that's i have to think of nothing for a while me and you yeah, always yeah you just got
0: to clear it all out because you're spending all your time immersed in that and you just need to dump I, right it out
1: and you need you, you to be passionate in front of the screen or when i'm writing i need to just unplug i go i bought a long board i've never had a long skateboard before in my life i always skateboarded i just cruise around my neighborhood. And I I have great ideas. Then when I get away for 25 minutes, I'm like, Oh my God, I have great ideas as to what to write. They know if they can attack you and get you even on your battery recharge, then they're, they're, they're disabling the best fighters on the opposition party, like Steve Skojek from being able to do what he needs to do. Recharging your battery is real. It's a real metaphor.
0: (laughs) It's literally metaphorical.
1: It is literally metaphorical and proverbial. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's staggering how people interrogate the profundity of the proposition that they are so ambitious, they attack you in your syrup bottles, they attack you in your downtime, and that's just how good they are. That's how good the radical left is. But
0: how have they gotten us to the point where we're so defensive that when they make these attacks that are ridiculous, We feel like we have to explain ourselves. I mean, they do it to everybody. I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not doing this. Like you find yourself on your heels. I mean, it's happened to me where I'm like, hold on, wait, do I need to explain this? You know? And it's like, I don't know how to play the game when I find myself in a corner there. Because,
1: all right. So it's rule, it's rule number one rules for retrogrades. You have to always be on offense. It's actually Dave's rule. I insisted it go number one. And he, you know, we we're getting into a politeness contest. He's like, "No, one of yours should be number no one." I was like, "No, it's the best rule in the whole book. You ne- and there are other ones: never compromise, never apologize publicly, you know, unless it's a, a mortal sin or something like that." Dave starts out with like rule number one. Chess grandmasters know it. Dave Dave's a, a very talented chess player. Generals know it. Boxers know it. Football coaches know it. Always be on offense. See conservatives who have this this cowardice. Christians and conservatives are always struggling with the virtue of uh, fortitude, and they're always um, exercising cowardice. That, that's, that's a big uh, bet noir for us. So when we hear things like Greg Popovich, coach of the Spurs, saying, you know, Rudy Tomjanovich, coach of the Houston Rockets, saying, defense wins championships. Conservatives love this, and they, they turned it into an even bigger mantra. Because it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's right. We just play defense. We're always on defense. The radicals always have us on our heels.
0: No. If, literally, if you had a And da- by the way, I think it goes with the bunker mentality that Christians have embraced yes. so much. Because, ah, everything in the culture is, is toxic. And so don't watch any shows. Never see a movie. Never do anything fun. Hide right. out in your, in your Amish clothes in your house. And, right. you know, build walls against the world. No,
1: they all go together, man. It, it, I mean, I know you get it. But think about it. Imagine a football game, greatest defense in the history of the NFL. Whatever you think that is, you know, late '60s Steelers, or who who cares? Lawrence Uh, Taylor, dude. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor, Giants for for like perennially. They always
0: Giants early to mid '80s, man.
1: Yeah. Do they? Bears, Bears mid '80s, Giants for like three decades. If you didn't have a four down system, especially then, you would you would exaggerate the proposition, make it even more clear. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. Eventually, if without downs, it would just be one yard up the middle. Even a great football team would, would only allow one and a half yards per run. Eventually, the other team is going to score. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest defender in the history of boxing. You know, Unless you counterpunch, you can't win. If you're always playing defense in chess, Dave's the chess player, not me, you will lose. If, if great generals are great defensive generals, but they don't know how to counterstrike, in a, an opposing theater or whatever. They will lose. Offense actually wins championships. Defense provides the conditions for the possibility of a win, but the offense is always, striking back is always where you win. And conservatives and Christians are cowards. The second I start making jokes, I'm good at making jokes about the other side. Right. We also have this rule, uh, Reese's Bellam right? Laughter is war. It's part of it. It's one of the main ways. They, they do it to us all the time. They just mm-hmm. make Christians look like goofballs, and so much that we even believe it. Without fighting back, we will lose. And it's part, I mean, it's, it does link up with what you're saying. Christians are called to be in the world, but not of it. You have cultural Catholics who are usually libs that want to be both in it and of it. You have traditional and faithful people that want to be neither. Neither of them is following what we're called to be in it. So yeah, you can. Jesus would have liked sports if he lived in 21st century America. He would have liked a lot of the stuff we're always arguing for. He he would, didn't pretend to live 2,000 years before he actually lived. You know, in 2000 BC, he lived where he was at. Right? He was a carpenter. He was a man of his time. He goofed around with his mom. I love that scene in The Passion when he's yeah, splashing. That's a great scene. It, he was just. He was, he was fully man. He's just fully God. That's what's different. But he was fully man. He would have liked probably football if he lived now. He lived If he lived in the 21st century, he would be there. And making jokes is a big part of culture, American culture. And I know a lot of traditional minded people are not joke tellers. Um, but uh, particularly the ones we're talking about that do the Puritan virtue signaling. But making jokes happens to be something you're really good at. I'm quite good at and it makes you good at fighting back. And other Christians, even ones that watch your programs or mine, are like, "Well, I like him, but I think he's he's being a little too offensive, a little too much joke." It's how <laughs> right. you win. Yeah. It's how you win at a lower level of warfare.
0: If, okay, if so where is options- all where is all this headed? I mean, is there really a silent majority out there we keep hearing about it, you know, that's fed up with all of this? Is there a way to even deal with this through our existing political system or are we just on a trajectory where things are going to get more and more Orwellian until the whole thing collapses under its own weight and we have to rise from you know, the ashes of some kind of Mad Max future. You know, barring some divine intervention, which I'm not in a hurry for, and I, and I honestly don't really expect. I think there's a lot of people who are obsessed with the doom and gloom of the prophecy industry too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, God has allowed us to go through a lot of things in the past. People have survived wars and bubonic plagues and empires and all kinds of Stuff that that is just as bad in a different historical context as what we're going through now, is is now special. Is you know where does it go?
1: Yeah, I'm never I'm never a um, doom and gloom guy when it comes to it. If you read my first book, Catholic Republic, you get what the insinuation, the clear insinuation of. I just bought
0: it, but I yeah. haven't but I haven't read it yet. But so I did it, buy
1: it. We, Balkanization is look when Jefferson was president, even when he was vice president, and then again when he was president in 1801, he said because his his main people were the Anti-Federalists. There are three factions of Anti-Federalists, some were more extreme than others. The more extreme ones wanted basically smaller polities. In other words, one faction wanted 13 separate states to be 13 separate countries. The middling faction wanted like the 13 states to be basically divided into four countries. The moderate Anti-Federalists like George Mason were just like, we can all be in one union even though that's really big for a republic. Never been a republic that big is even the 13 colonies. But if we do this, this, and this, we can, you know, with a Bill of Rights, we can weather it. Um, Jefferson, whose people were the Virginian uh, anti-federalists, was like, as president, he's like, the future of American happiness does not depend on um, multiple unions or just one. It Either one's viable, as long as we keep to the Constitution and a few other things. But the point is, he did acknowledge, even as president and vice president before, that there might come a time when you have to balkanize for the, when when we don't have a res publica, a publicly shared ideal, which is the center of a proper functioning Republic, um, which we don't with people like Antifa or or BLM or anyone that supports them, then you have to break it up. You have to balkanize. And I, I don't believe it's the end of the world. The providence I do see, Steve, was twenty sixteen November whatever yeah, that it's was
0: huge, November, and, and not just here. I mean, what happened with Brexit? There's something going on in the world.
1: Yes, but I, I do believe that uh, Great Britain that it's basically lost. It's part. Uh, I do believe America is filthy as the culture's gotten, as overrun and stormed as our institutions are. I do believe it's the city on the hill. It's an unpopular position with trads, but there, there's something real happening. Um, we need Trump to win again. I think only three times in the history of the Republic has in in 2024 has the incumbent party that had eight years of presidency, won another four. We need that because the next time the Democrats get in, it's going to be really bad. I think we do need to start as conservatives. I'm not just talking to Catholics and not just even Christians, secular conservatives too. We need, I've been trying to do this since 2008 and I've published articles on it. I got on, I think, an FBI watch list for public an article, uh, publishing an article with American Thinker in 2012 called Declaration of Grievances saying, look at the grievances uh, against the colonists in 1776, compare those to ours now, I said in 2012, ours is so much bigger, and they were ready to part with the former regime. Um, we need to break it up, and we conservatives need to start having a serious conversation about balkanization, you know, and just, hey, we, we hate the far left. The far left hates us. Let's just divide the whole thing up. But in answer to your original question, conservatives, I go back to this, conservatives are cowards. Most Christians are cowards and they want, they're, they're fat, happy in, in the tragedy of Caesar, right? What did Caesar say? He wanted, cause he wanted to be a tyrant. I want men about me who are fat, meaning not, not hungry, complacent. That's conservatives and Christians around the world, but especially in this country. And there is no sleeping giant. So I guess this goes against, this militates against my earlier point. What I've wanted for over a decade now is to have a a serious conversation about how do we break the country up, get a a smaller, realer republic, a res publica, where we all share like a civic religion and maybe a real religion and uh, divide it into a number of decent sized res publicas. That's the only way forward. It's ratchet effect. Uh, once the Republic gets bespoiled, you can't go back. But yeah, I, I don't think there's a sleeping giant. I think- I mean, Do you think the, that that's a realistic power.
0: possibility though?
1: I think when, look, Republics are supposed to be about the size of Virginia or maybe West Virginia. If you look at all the history, classical Republican theorists, which I look at in Catholic uh, Republic, the Venetian Republic lasted 1,100 years. The Swiss Cantons lasted about 1,000 the, uh, England, which really was a republic starting with Magna Carta, lasted, when did it die? Nin- you know, middle 1900s. It lasted seven, 800 years. So if you look at these and you look at all the classical republican theorists from Plato and Aristotle through uh, Cicero, Augustine, you know, the, the, uh, the classical Catholic guys like Suarez, Thomas, the Salamanca guys, Montesquieu, they all said republics have to be small. There are three cardinal rules. They have to be small not a continent size, the way we've been trying to call this a a thing. They have to be univocal. People have to basically share a res publica, which usually means a religion or at least moral system. And, And then there's another thing with checks and balances that constitutes the third rule. But I think it could be realistic if you're talking about like breaking it up into small breakaway groups. But Then I look at conservatives and I I get discouraged. I'm like, oh, they're still just wanting to go to work and say they're a conservative and a good Christian because they go to work and provide food on the table. You got to do so much more than that as a man. It's such a higher calling than just going to work, coming home, never talking to your neighbors, never going to a tea party, never being politically active. So I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's a, man, it's a a rough road ahead. And I don't know. I don't know where, I mean, I don't know if, you know, because the chaos that we're seeing now I'm expecting it's going to die down, but it seems like every time it starts up again, it gets just a little bit worse. And then we have, you know, I mean, we had the Ferguson riots years ago in, in Baltimore and all that stuff. There was the rioting, you know, and then it was like, it was bad, but this was worse. And it just keeps getting worse every time. And all this social breakdown, you know, and now we're adding in pandemic crap and all you know, all the stuff that's happening to us. And the year just keeps throwing things at us. It's not slowing down. And I just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to be fatalistic, but at the same time, I wonder how much more of a crescendo we can, we can go to before the fall. The Roman Empire took, you know, collapsed
1: slowly over centuries. And I, sure. I you know, ours, I don't think will be that slow, but it will be that model. But the moral decline began, you know, 100 years ago. Um, or at least in the 1940s, when the Supreme Court set all this stuff up, all, all the the reversal of the First Amendment. But before that as well, I think that what what conservatives need to get real about is, I'm not saying it's it's apocalypse. I'm not sure, but never before have I talked to so many people that say, microscopically, inside my house and macroscopically, there's an attack. You know, yeah. inside and outside of my doors. Um, it is being coordinated, all of the stuff that's going on. Anytime it starts to die down, there, there is, because it is globalist front groups that are at least manning it from the nucleus, you know, control center, nerve center, um, because these are Soros front groups. They will not let it die down. A lot of it's about the election, but a lot of it's just about ending America as we know it. Of course, microscopically, people know what I've been dealing with. You know, Abby, when when I got, fired on June 3rd. Abby was less than two months out of her surgery. My eldest daughter who had a hemispherectomy brain surgery, um, you know, in Holy week of this year, I lost my insurance. Like I'm not, I mean, people see me joking. I'm still dealing with it. I mean, it, we have to circle the wagons, defend each other and get real that this is not going away. We are the Roman empire in decline. There is a solution. We can, balkanize and and move to a state i'm getting out of california i'm probably moving within weeks actually because now even conservative bakersfield has turned against me sure, uh, sure. if you want to help by the way timothyjgordon.com
0: yeah i was going to ask you about that as my it's my parting thing is you know how are you and your family doing are you getting threats are you getting job offers you know what's next
1: we're doing, it's, I'm surprised no threats. We keep getting out of town um, just because it's, it's weird. I mean, I have lots of guns. Most people that know me know that. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not afraid, but it is, it's like we do these five mile walks I was telling you about since yeah. Adam came home from the hospital. We just do a five mile walk all around the neighborhood, running into some neighbors on the other reaches of the neighborhood that haven't seen me in a while, getting weird responses because I guess now they think I'm a racist. Rule number 38, by the way, of this book, yeah, very conveniently is there is no room for racism in the new American right that we're trying to rise. The rising tide, no room for alt-right style racism. We're complete. So people that wanted to, paint me as a racist, really. Yeah, uh, you've
0: already got it in the book, predating yeah. it. I mean, that crap has to go. It, people go. who think that that's a future, there's nothing there for us.
1: There's nothing there. And, and, there's, and the, therefore, there's no criticism of me on those grounds because Rule 38 makes it really clear. But yeah, we, we got to get out of town. People have been incredibly generous. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's, uh, that works well for us because Abby will not have uh, insurance as of right now after July. I think we're just going to amp up rules for retrogrades as of right now. We are going to make an announcement as to homeschooling help that we can offer people. Um, I think we're going to, me and Steph are going to record that video later today. I think it's what we're going to do in the future. More rules for retrogrades podcasts really put our energy there. If we can get insurance for Abby off the private insurance plan, uh, which is expensive, it is very expensive.
0: I think we pay something like 1200 bucks a month for that. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: Wow. Well, I mean, so we're, we're willing to do that. As long as we can cover Abby, she will need some more probably brain surgeries in her life. So if people are feeling generous, then uh, even with a, f- a few bucks, you can go give a one-time donation at timothyjgordon.com. Hit donate. You don't have to become a monthly patron. Or if you're, not, if you're feeling generous but not that generous, just pick this book up. Uh, it also supports, you know, my family and and the sales have gone through the roof on rules for retrograde since this all happened. And I'm, it's, it's, it's been good, but I, I plan to, uh, I don't think I'm going to try to get some other diocesan job because you move states to get another job and then they find out about all this, they might let you go two months in. It's, it's a safer bet to just kind of if we can swing, do this. Yeah,
0: I mean, I get it. Look, I told you this story that in, you know, the last job I had, the last office job I had where I was working for somebody else, I was a a director at an association in the DC area. And in my job interview, I was asked about my political beliefs because of things that I write, which is, I'm fairly certain, totally illegal. Um, And the person who hired me later on said, and, and she was actually a huge advocate of mine. And even though she was far left, she was very good to me. But she said, if you had answered that question differently, I wouldn't have hired you. I mean, she just admitted it. Wow. And she was unusually candid, but this kind of stuff goes on all the time, you know? Uh, and it just happened to be that she asked me my opinion of Sarah Palin. And I didn't like Sarah Palin. And I said that because I'm contrary. And that's, you know, I never go along with prevailing conservative, whatever. <laughs> uh, and so I passed the litmus test. But But the thing was... I just had this realization I'm like I can't do this anymore I can either continue writing which I was doing on the side sort of as a hobby for beer money you know or I could continue to work normal office jobs and that's why you know when my wife was doing really well in real estate uh, in 2013 and my association looked like it was going into the tank because there was all kinds of internal turmoil and all this stuff I quit yeah. I was like, there's nowhere for me to go in here. I've been asking to take on this communications position they won't give me. I've got Now there's a new CEO. Everything's crazy. So I quit. I started working for her or working with my wife doing all of her marketing. And then I was like, I had time to think. And I was like, I'm pretty good at this Catholic gig. Why don't I try putting some effort into it? You know, like what, what would happen if I went all in? And so the right. Genesis for one Peter five was there, right. but it was really in the fact of I have two choices. I can continue to be a guy who stands up for what I believe in in public Or I can hide, right? And and that's it. And whichever one I choose, like it's an irrevocable path. I'm never at this point in my life going to be able to go back to working for company. I'm 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 radioactive. I can't. You can't hire somebody like me. You are. I'm out there.
1: I I was uh, I went on Gavin McInnes' censored TV show the other day, Um, and I thought Milo would be there. I I haven't. I've texted with Milo Yiannopoulos a few times. You know who published my first book before Sophia did. And I was telling Gavin, oh, I'd like to check in with Milo. You know, one of my last talks with him, he just sounded bummed. He's like, bro, I can't get a job. I won't tell you exactly how he said it, but he said, I-, I can't get a job at Foot Locker. You know, I'm radioactive. And that, that happens um, to people that are, yeah, that, that's where I'm at now. I, I'm far, far smaller than uh, a name than Milo was on the world. or now. Sure, yeah. But you, get radi- you get that radioactive status pretty quick because of all the things we've talked about this hour because the culture is so the the uh the average is so tilted to the left now that a guy like you or me or, or milo are just like this is the path like we are yeah and
0: you path. might as i mean if you're good at it just keep doing it because right. there there's no escape hatch from this like you just got to go forward
1: no and that's another reason why eponymous flower cowards i mean even that name is girlish right eponymous flower cowards that call guys like you and me um we're not uh we're not uh anonymous we're not eponymous we're we're operating in the light of day with our own faces and our own names and yeah you have a lot of enemies i have a lot of enemies inside and outside of catholicism it's like don't call me a lot of things but don't call me a coward man because i'll go to bat i'll go to the mat for my views and so will you and like it is it's just what milo said man like i I think I could get a job at Foot Locker. You know, Milo might be, that might be true in his case, not mine, maybe not yours, but that's not enough to feed our family. He also doesn't have a family and it's like, yeah, I guess I'm just all in now. I, I mean, yep. there are like a few good bishops that I think would hire me indication from one that he would, but it's like, I mean, okay, but if you're working for a diocese and the good bishop goes out, there's no future in that. You're just it's no, exactly.
0: And I've seen that happen to priests. I had a good friend who went into a diocese under a, a, a good a bishop and then a bad one came in. Uh, and it wasn't good for him. Um, right. you know, and, so, and this is why when people call us grifters, I mean, we make fun of them. But those people are a-holes. Right. It's like, this is, I, I support eight people. I have a, a nine, if you include the elderly parent that I take care of most of the time. You know, I, I'm trying to be economically productive and, and hire people where I can afford it. I'm trying to, to do something here and that takes money. Yeah. 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 You, you know, you, you've got to have money to do it. And, and so luckily I think for us, despite the fact that there are these, uh, you know, these little imps out there that want to nip at our heels all the time. There are enough people who are hungry for people giving them the truth who aren't restrained because some Bishop has them on a leash who aren't restrained because they've got mega donors who are like, no, I don't, I don't like how you talked about that. I would like to see you cover this. You know, I don't ever want to be beholden to that. Like I actually have a fear of one Peter five growing too big and I've had opportunities to make it go in certain ways. And I'm like, If I do that, I'm going to lose control of it. If I do that, somebody else is going to be able to, to, to body check me and be like, I don't want you to say this thing. Right. And, and so there's this, this kind of weird place that you have to get to where you're big enough that you have an audience, but you're small enough that you have control. To be incorruptible. Yeah. My, my favorite, my favorite
1: band probably in my life is a group called the Deftones from Sacramento, California. And they, uh, we always said they got to a sweet spot where they re- retained artistic control because they got big. They're definitely a national, they're a world sure. band if you listen to you know metal. But they, like it's like they never sold out, even though they were young guys when they first got big. And they never got so big like some of the cheesier acts that they were playing with that got big. And then they got corporatized and they got whatever. The Deftones always retained control over their songwriting and if they wanted to go in a different direction with a different album they would and true they just they they it's like getting big slowly is a good model and then managing self-managing how big you get when peter five was going that direction i remember you were doing interviews in 2015 2016 with some really big outfits and it's like yeah you weren't just taking the leap to do anything it's all about which is why I always liked your site, you know, even when I was still working at a law firm, it's like, yeah, you're always just monitoring. Okay, I want, I want everyone wants a wide listenership readership, sure. but I don't want it at the cost of the principles, anything yes, for the movement, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, you got to maintain your integrity. So,
1: well, okay. you're on that
0: path and there's a lot of upside to it. I mean, I, I think you're going to do well. Thanks, and I really appreciate
1: you, you having me on to tell my story. People, yeah, it's not a, it's not a grift. TimothyJGordon.com if you want to help uh, in a more immediate way. If you want to help in a more immediate way, uh, Rules for Retrogrades is selling uh, off the shelves. and
0: I'll put uh, links, by the way, to the website, to uh, both of your books on Amazon. I'll put those all in the related links uh, that come up on the post for the podcast so that people can find them.
1: Cool. Thanks a million and, and everyone uh, get ready to fight. We got a fight coming like a like, uh, like the movie Tombstone says, like, got a fight coming. It's coming today. I don't know if it's coming today, but it's 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 here and um, conservatives and Catholics and Christians in general. We need to band together. You know, we don't have to agree about all theology or all the minutiae, but we need to band together like a street fight because that's what's headed our way. And Rules for Retrogrades is a great uh, tool to use because we really, you know, I've been in been in street fights unlike a lot of these guys and we got to fight in a really aggressive way for the soul of Christendom for, you know, Christ on the cross. You know, we were in the position to do it. Uh, The final thought is historical context. I get a lot of people saying, well, what about the first century martyrs? Um, See the church is the blood of the martyrs. Yeah. Because context matters, but it wouldn't have been appropriate during the crusades for people to just roll over and die and be like, let's be martyrs. When the church, when you have a reasonable chance of winning, the Lord expects us to fight. Christians are not pacifists. When you have no reasonable chance of winning, martyrdom was the best way in those first two centuries to spread the faith. But now the best way to spread the faith is actually to maintain some semblance of Christendom um, or to take it back because we have the numbers that, to do it if Christians would only wake up.
0: Right on, man. It's always good to talk to you. You too, brother. That's Thanks.
1: Enough. Peace. Bye.
0: You're listening to the 1 Peter 5 Podcast. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the podcast. Before we go, I just want to address something really quick. Uh, I know I've talked about this before, but the degradation in video and audio quality that happens in these remote recording sessions, which is really how we conduct most of these interviews, you know, a lot of the people, most of the people that we interview are uh, in remote locations. Um, it's unacceptable to me, uh, the the stuff that was happening with my voice, the quality of the video, this is what we should look and sound like, uh, recording on the equipment that we're using. We try to aspire to be professional, uh, in the programming that we provide you. Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about the fact that right now in the market for what we're doing, Zoom and Skype are pretty much the only competitors out there and both of them have terrible video and audio quality. Uh, Zoom gets the edge simply because uh, it does a nicer job of switching automatically between speakers uh, so that whoever's on the screen um, you know, is the one that's talking. But other than that, I, there's just nothing that we can do. And so we are actively talking to other companies that are looking at providing us opportunities uh, to use their recording platforms. There's some, some new stuff coming out from companies Zencaster and Squadcast are both coming out with video uh, podcasting software. It's amazing because video podcasts are huge right now. This is a big thing. Joe Rogan, uh, who's the most uh, famous podcaster in the world, just got offered a hundred million dollar deal to take his video podcast to uh, Spotify. So this is a huge market, there's a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of money being left on the table. But right now, the software doesn't exist for people who really wanna do a high quality remote recording. And uh, so it's something that we're working on. It's something we're aware of. Uh, We do the best we can with what we can. Usually I record a backup audio stream, but I, I forgot to select the correct input today. So we didn't have that. So I apologize. We'll keep working on it. Until next time, I'm Steve Skojek. Please remember to like and share this video. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the little notification icon so that you're notified when new videos come out. And again, please, if you enjoy this work, Support us at onepeter5.com forward slash donate. Remember to go to the website post for this podcast to see all the related links. Um, You can do that actually just by looking at the YouTube description. As soon as the post goes up, we always put that in there. So thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you joining us for this episode. We'll see you soon. God bless you.